Ashling's UN Insights, a weekly look at the work of the United Nations. Welcome to Ashling's UN Insights. Having recently returned from an internship at the United Nations headquarters in New York, and with my family growing weary of my constant yammering on about it, I've decided to pass on what I've learned to you lovely listeners. The UN is heralding the 2020s as their decade of action. So what exactly is it that they're working on? This week, we're looking at Sustainable Development Goal number 9, entitled Industry, Innovation and Infrastructure. This Sustainable Development Goal aims to build resilient infrastructure, promote inclusive and sustainable industrialisation and foster innovation. This includes goals to support economic development and human well-being through quality, reliable, sustainable and resilient infrastructure, promote inclusive and sustainable industrialisation and increase the access to financial services for small-scale enterprises. SDG 9 also aims to upgrade infrastructure and retrofit industries so that they are more sustainable with better resource use efficiency and environmentally friendly technologies and to enhance scientific research and encourage innovation. The UN hoped to achieve this through a variety of methods, such as providing enhanced financial, technological and technical support to low-income countries, supporting technological development, research and innovation in low-income countries, and by significantly increasing access to information and communications technology, with the ultimate goal of universal and affordable access to the internet. So, How close are we to achieving those goals? Even before the COVID-19 pandemic, manufacturing growth was declining due to tariffs and trade tensions, and only 35% of small-scale industries have access to financial credit in low-income countries. More positively, the intensity of global carbon dioxide emissions has declined by almost a quarter since the year 2000, whilst economic growth has been continuing, which suggests a gradual decoupling of carbon emissions from economic growth. Also, investment in research and development has grown from $1.4 trillion in 2010 to $2.2 trillion in 2017, although the UN stresses that the rate of this increase needs to accelerate, and unfortunately, women represent only around 30% of global researchers, which affects what subjects are being researched. It is estimated that 96.5% of the world's population lives in an area covered by a mobile network with at least a 2G network. However, it is estimated that this internet is not necessarily accessible just because there is wide coverage, since fewer than 20% of people in low-income countries use the internet. There has been some promising progress towards achieving some goals within SDG 9, but the economic fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic will likely represent a great challenge to achieving SDG 9 by 2030. The scope of the United Nations is huge, since there are many departments tackling different global issues, so each week I'm shining the spotlight on one department and looking at the work that they do. This week I want to look at the decolonisation unit within the Department of Political and Peacebuilding Affairs. The United Nations' efforts to decolonise the globe are based on the principle of equal rights and self-determination of peoples, which is written in Article 1 of the Charter of the United Nations. When the United Nations was established in 1945, around 750 million people, which accounted for almost a third of the world's population at the time, lived in non-self-governing territories and were dependent on colonial powers. 
In the last 75 years, over 80 former colonies have gained their independence, but there are still 17 non-self-governing territories remaining, which accounts for around 2 million people. Therefore, the decolonisation unit is still necessary, since the process of decolonisation is not complete. Of these 17 non-self-governing territories, the United Kingdom is the administrative power in 10 of them, and the United States is the administrative power in 3 of them. The decolonisation unit monitors political, economic and social developments in these 17 non-self-governing territories and produces annual working papers on each of them. It also provides substantive advice to the Special Committee on Decolonisation, where representatives and petitioners from the 17 non-self-governing territories speak about the concerns and aspirations of their people, as well as providing political advice on visiting missions to these territories and at annual seminars. A key role of the decolonisation unit is to prepare informational materials for the non-self-governing territories, which explains the options available to them moving forward towards self-government, in line with the principles set out in the UN Charter, so that the goal of self-determination of all people will be achieved in the near future. There were two international days this week. These days aim to raise awareness of a particular global issue, and if any of these topics really pique your interest, then I encourage you to look into them further, as that is exactly the aim of declaring international days in this way. Wednesday the 15th of July was World Youth Skills Day. Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, young people aged between 15 and 24 were three times more likely than adults to be unemployed and often faced a prolonged school-to-work transition period. Additionally, globally one in five young people is not in employment, education or training, and 75% of these people are women. According to the UN, World Youth Skills Day is an opportunity for young people, technical and vocational education and training institutions, and public and private sector stakeholders to acknowledge and celebrate the importance of equipping young people with skills for employment, decent work and entrepreneurship. The specific theme for this year is Skills for Resilient Youth. Yesterday, Saturday the 18th of July, was Nelson Mandela International Day. This day is observed to recognise the contribution of Nelson Mandela to the culture of peace and freedom through his contribution to ending apartheid. This day is also an opportunity to promote humane conditions of imprisonment, to raise awareness about prisoners being a continuous part of society and to value the work of prison staff as a social service of particular importance since Mandela spent 27 years of his life in prison before going on to become the President of South Africa from 1994 to 1999. So, what has been discussed at the UN this week? As before, if any of the things I mention particularly catch your attention, then you can hop on the UN Web TV website and watch the meetings in full. This week was the third and final week of the 44th session of the Human Rights Council. There were meetings every day and they discussed a multitude of topics related to human rights. On Monday, they discussed the human rights of women, touching specifically on accountability for women and girls in humanitarian settings, as well as the human rights situation in Myanmar. On Tuesday, they discussed the impact of COVID-19 on women's rights and continued to discuss the human rights situation in Myanmar, as well as in Burundi and the Syrian Arab Republic. On Wednesday, they discussed upholding the human rights of prisoners and discussed the human rights situation in Venezuela. 
They also spoke about racism, racial discrimination, xenophobia and related intolerances, as well as the issue of human rights and transnational corporations and other business enterprises. On Thursday, they discussed the universal periodic review results of the human rights in Spain and Kuwait, as well as the human rights situations in Sudan, Georgia and Palestine. The 2020 High-Level Political Forum on Sustainable Development, which began last week, continued throughout the week. The purpose of this High-Level Political Forum is to review the Sustainable Development Goals. The theme for this year is Accelerated Action and Transformative Pathways, Realising the Decade of Action and Delivery for Sustainable Development, and they discussed the impact of COVID-19 on the progress towards achieving the Sustainable Development Goals. As part of this, there were multiple side events covering topics such as the green economy and COVID-19 recovery, food security and nutrition, marine litter and digital technology in Africa. Additionally, on Wednesday, there was a mental health webinar for young people, which is part of a series about coping with COVID-19, set up by the Secretary-General's Envoy on Youth in partnership with the World Health Organization and UNICEF. They aim to provide a platform for genuine connection where young people can ask questions of experts from the WHO and UNICEF and to increase mental health awareness among young people. Throughout the week, there were also Security Council meetings about the situation in Colombia, Yemen and the Middle East more generally, as well as on the topic of sexual violence and conflict. That's all from me for now, but join me next week for more UN insights and news. See you then! Ashley's UN Insights, a weekly look at the work of the United Nations. Brooklyn Radio.